Hello, and welcome to Citre Cruise Talks. I'm Chiara Georgie, and for this podcast, I spoke to Trey Packard, the founder and executive director of Citre Cruise's 2021 sustainability partner. The Pangea Seed Foundation is an international nonprofit organization acting at the intersection of culture and environmentalism to further the conservation of our oceans. Trey founded Pangea Seed Foundation in 2009 with the aim to unify and connect individuals around the world, opening a dialogue to share ideas and develop a better global understanding of our connection with the oceans. Their efforts include the Sea Walls Artists for Oceans public art program, collaborating with contemporary artists to create large-scale public murals that address pressing environmental issues the oceans are facing and bring those issues into the public eye and consciousness. Now let's hear more about Trey and Pangea Seed Foundation. I grew up in a family of artists. My mother was a professional art teacher and my grandfather was a professional musician. So when we were growing up, we always had like a paintbrush or like guitar around or something like that. We were always encouraged to use creativity to help problem solve. So I think that's something that I've had common thread throughout my life that I've always relied on in different times of my life. And yeah, I've always had an interest in you know nature and the environment and sustainability. I grew up kind of splitting time between the West Coast and Texas. And I was always outside. I was always active, whether that be in the water or in the, in the forest, in the woods or whatever. I love being out, you know, just exploring. And my family kind of installed a, I guess, a curiosity and a respect for nature at a young age. So I've always had an interest in that. And that kind of led me to nature photography. It's still a big point in my life. But in mid to late 2000s, I was living in Asia and doing a lot of documentation of illegal wildlife trade and mainly focusing on marine life. And years of documenting death and destruction, it kind of led me to a point where it's important to share the reality of the issue, what's happening out there. It's important for people to understand what's happening. But at the same time, it's important to give people hope, especially with the natural environment. There's a really interesting connection between humanity and the natural environment. And I think for people to kind of have an interest in it or want to understand it, they need to connect with it. And I feel that art is an incredible driver for that. So there was a point in my life where I uncovered the largest industrial shark finning operation in Asia. And this would have been circa 2008, 2009. And that was a big light bulb moment for me where it was just like, okay, I want to shift because this is an animal that I care so much about. And I want to show it in a positive light. So I held an art show where I was living in Tokyo. And I invited about 50 artists from around the world to participate and create original artworks, showing sharks in a positive light. Because I think based on pop culture and history like that, sharks tend to be demonized. You know, you have Jaws and things like that, Shark Week and so on. And nothing could be further than the truth. You know, they're not man eaters. I think there's less than 10 people per year that are mistaken by sharks and die due to bites. The statistics like, you know, vending machines and falling coconuts and toilets kill more people every year than sharks do. You know, we have this really unfound, bizarre fear of these animals because of pop culture and things, you know, like I was saying, like Jaws. So I wanted to show these animals in a positive and beautiful light, like I see them when I'm in the water and I'm diving and so on. And that was kind of the light bulb moment for Pangea Sea Foundation. So from there, I kind of shifted and started looking at conservation in general, 
from my perspective at that time, this was a good decade ago, Phil was pretty limited and it was kind of conservative or militant and it didn't resonate for, for who I am or what I wanted to do or what I see and what I wanted to contribute. So yeah, it just kind of felt like the conservation arena was big and there's so much opportunity to do so much with it. So I felt that art was this great driver, especially at that time when I was a foreigner living in a foreign country and you're trying to encourage people to question their cultural habits and you know consumption habits and so on. I want to do that in a way that hopefully inspires people versus you know pointing fingers. So that's how Pangea Seed started. That's the origin story. And then I relocated back stateside around 2012 and then incorporated as a registered nonprofit organization and built an advisory board and board of directors and program areas. And we've been nonstop ever since. So that's kind of the origin story of how art and sustainability became kind of the cornerstones of what Pangea Seed Foundation is and does. Now, that's fascinating and it makes complete sense. And it's it's wonderful when you can take two things that you are so passionate about and merge them, right? So what are the foundation's goals? Do you have a mission statement? For sure. Like our mission is connect and inspire and educate people through three key pillars, which we call the C approach, which is science, education, and artivism. Those are the three main pillars that we focus on. And ideally, we're working toward encouraging people to see the oceans in a positive light understand their connection to that. And no matter where you are in the world, you have a stake in the sustainability and the future of nature and our oceans. You know, no matter where you live in the world, we're all connected to the oceans. They supply 70% of the oxygen we breathe. That's every second breath. You know, they regulate climate. It's a food source for, you know, billions of people around the planet, a source of income and entertainment. And without healthy oceans, life on land is impossible. So we have to encourage and engage people about the importance of oceans, but I think it's important to engage them in a way that is going to inspire action. The current society that we live in, you know, we're so bombarded with information and news and, you know, on a daily basis. So it's difficult to kind of like weed through that. And when it comes to marine science, there's a bit of a disconnect on how the science and data is translated in a way that really connects with the general public. So that's, I think, something that's been fascinating about what we do at Pangeasi Foundation. We've been this great bridge or this merger to marry that. So we work with scientists, we work with researchers to translate that information data in a way that is hopefully engaging and inspiring. Because when you're talking about topics like biodiversity loss or ocean acidification and climate change and so on, you can kind of see people glaze over when you start to talk about those topics. So it's so important that people are aware of that and you know, trying to do what they can to curb those issues. So art and activism, as we try to marry the two, have been our main approach as an organization. And that's kind of you know, led our mission over the years. So on that over the years, have there been any like key achievements, anything that you can look back on and be really proud of? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we never had the intentions to be like, you know, a massive organization. We like to stay nimble. We like to keep it a tight team because that gives us more flexibility to do what we need to do when we need to do it. There's so many milestones in our career. I think one of the ones I'm most proud of is our Seawalls Artists for Oceans program, which is a public program that takes the oceans into the streets. So what we do is we collaborate with artists from around the world to create large-scale public artworks in coastal communities to address these issues that are affecting those communities. And since the program started in 2014, we've created around 420-something murals in 17 countries with over 100 artists. It's the only public art program of its kind, and we've helped to inspire to change policy, educating communities all around the world regarding these issues, and you know, translating the data in a way that is, is digestible. 
And it's just fascinating to see the impact that art can have, especially on a, on a large scale like that, because with the program, we're normally going into a community and creating anywhere between 10 to 20 large scale artworks. So if you see some of our artworks, we're taking up like the side of an entire building. So you're totally transforming cityscape of a location. It's changing the way that people commute to work. It's changing the way the kids go to school, you know, with these positive, important messages about oceans, but translated in a way that it's artistic and creative and inspiring. So that program has taken up a big chunk of our time over the years. And it's just been incredible to see it grow and develop over the years. We've taken it from subarctic in Northern Canada polar bear capital of the world down to the coral triangle and, you know, remote islands and in, in Indonesia and kind of everywhere in between. So what I've learned through those experiences is art is this great communicator. It transcends borders, races, religion, gender, and brings everybody together. It's an incredible unifier. Actually, I've seen some of the seawalls work and it's definitely inspiring, as you said. So you mentioned all of these different countries that you guys have worked with. So how do you see travel and tourism working towards sustainability in the future. I mean, we know that the term sustainability is thrown around a lot when it comes to tourism. So what are your thoughts on what that could look like in the future and what role they could play? I think we're starting to see a shift. Definitely, there's a a lot more emphasis and and interest put on ecotourism, which is something that we support through projects that we do. And, you know, especially with the the younger generation, I think they're a lot more tour savvy where, you know, that is something that is important to them when they're looking at if they're going to take a vacation to this place, they can support an initiative that supports a marine reserve or, you know, a forest reserve or different things like this. So it's great to see these opportunities and initiatives that are popping up over, I think, the last 10 years we've seen, you know, a big change in that. Within certain industries, there's a big shift in terms of like the technology out there and it's available to make those industries more sustainable. But we're starting to see that shift. It's great. And especially, I think, with single-use plastics, we're starting to see airlines, cruise industry, and you know, the hotel industry putting in specific policies to start curbing that. And I think that's great. You know, it's important that some of these large organizations are setting the pace and kind of the standard. And then you kind of see that trickle down effect where a lot of people start following that as well. So yeah, I do have hope for the tourism industry. It's definitely a double-edged sword. Many places that we travel to, you know, are remote locations that are quite Mm -hmm. fragile in terms of humans impact on the ecosystem. And a lot of these places, they become popular very quickly. So the sustainability aspect of the tourism industry doesn't have a chance to catch up quick enough. And there's many places that I've traveled to around the world that Five years ago, when I went, the reefs were somewhat abundant or healthy or whatever. You go back several years later, and it's a dead zone because there's not the infrastructure put in place to handle the impact of tourism. So with populations growing like they are around the world, more people are wanting to travel, more people have the means to travel. And I think, you know, with that comes the responsibility of tourism industries to put nature first, because without healthy oceans and, you know, healthy ecosystems, not many people are going to want to go out and see these places. You know, I mean, no one wants to see an ocean that's full of only jellyfish and plastic. So these are things that we need to be thinking about. And it's exciting to see industries incorporating new policies into their mission statement. So 
So through your travels, have you seen anyone use a piece of technology or do something innovative that you're like, that really is what has given you the hope that we're heading in the right direction? Is anyone doing something like completely different than what you've seen out there? A lot of it tends to be, you know, partnerships and collaborations. So for example, with the tourism industry, you know, they're partnering with, you know, different nonprofit organizations that are on the ground doing really good work and supporting that work. So, you know, there's a give back component or something like that, or an educational component for the tourists that are coming to that location. So I think that that's, you know, in a, in a very important key to working toward, you know, sustainable tourism models is the nonprofit sector, the research sector, science sector, everybody coming together to make this environment that's going to be low impact and hopefully give the tourists an experience that is educational, inspiring, and they take that back and they share that with their friends and their family. And so I guess in terms of like a bit of like actual tech that I've been seeing used here in Hawaii, we are the most isolated landmass on the planet. And, you know, kind of like in the middle of the gyres that, that push a lot of the plastic around the Pacific. And, you know, there's some fantastic initiatives locally of like how to repurpose that plastic that are washing up on the beaches here, microplastics, you know, fishing nets, different things like that. You know, we're starting to see it's becoming kind of trendy for different brands to use ARP and more sustainable materials. So mm-hmm. seeing things like that used on commercial level is definitely inspiring. And I hope we see more of that. I agree. And I think that's what I'm starting to see on a daily basis is even just like big brands starting to use materials that are coming from repurposed or recycled plastic, which is exciting to see. We've just become partners, Cruise and Pangea Seed, Pangea Seed Foundation. We represent the entire cruise industry and and hopefully any connections that we can make for you there. And so what are you hoping will come from this partnership? This is our first time to partner with an organization that's leading the way in the cruise industry. So for us, we feel that this is a great opportunity to, to share our efforts with the industry and hopefully encourage more innovation, more sustainability. And, you know, we're starting to see that. I think, you know, recently the the, the announcement of Virgin Voyages and, and their new cruise line, I think that's going to be somewhat of a testament or a standard moving forward of like how sustainability, tourism, and the cruise industry can kind of like marry together and still provide, you know, an incredible experience for the tourist. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see how we'll be able to share our efforts with the community and hopefully inspire people to utilize that creativity to help problem solve and, you know, make the industry more sustainable. I think the last year has really put in perspective of how humans impact on the environment. You know, there are consequences. And that's one of the reasons that we're in, that we're in right now with the global pandemic. And industries, you know, such as the cruise line, you know, tourism industry have been, you know, hit, you know, incredibly hard. There's a silver lining. This is a great opportunity to look internally and try to reinvent the industry and how you can do it in a way that is, you know, more sustainable and at the same time, you know, supports the environment. Absolutely. I think that actually that's one of the big conversations that's been happening. The general tourism industry and the cruise industry is, okay, everything's paused right now. So Mm -hmm. rather than just waiting for things to go back to the way they used to be, Why don't we take this moment to figure out what do we want to look like in the future? So we're not going back, but we're going forward and we're creating something new to come back to. And so I think that that will be really interesting to see how the general travel industry, but also the cruise industry evolve out of this. Definitely. Those are great points. Looking towards the future, 
Pangea Seed Foundation. We talked earlier mission statement. Do you have a vision statement? Do you have something that you're aspiring to in the coming years has become out of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the issues that are affecting the oceans right now, and that's our main focus is ocean conservation. I mean, these issues aren't going anywhere for the time being. It's not a quick fix. You can't put a Band-Aid on it and expect it to heal. You know, I mean, this is centuries of unsustainable practices and consumption habits and so on. So it's going to take a long time to solve these problems. So, I mean, we're in it for the long run. And, you know, granted, you know, we, we, we hope that things are, are going to improve and get better. I do have optimism that they can. But at the same time, you know, we're just like, you know, nose down, focusing on issues that we care about as an organization and just working toward how we can better educate, inspire action. So I think that's what it boils down to is the science is out there right now. You know, I feel like the scientists have done their job and we know where we're going. We know what the trajectories, the models, everything are looking like in terms of going toward the cliff's edge. Now's the time to get people on board in general. And how can you do that? This is just from my personal experience. It tends to be kind of like privileged and, you know, specific circles, kind of like, you know, sharing the same information over and over, but someone in, you know, a neighborhood in Philadelphia or, you know, on a remote island in Malaysia or something like that, you know, we've got to get this information out in a way that encourages everybody to get on board. So that's where we are. You know, I mean, we're an organization that really focuses on community outreach and trying to reach as many people as we can. And that's one reason, you know, we're using public art to drive these messages because at the end of the day, it's free source, it's democratic, you know, you're putting it into these communities and giving it to everybody. Anyone can be a critic, of course, because everybody is when it comes to art. But at the same time, anybody can take something away from it. You'll go through towns all the time or city, there's advertisements everywhere for product and services, but rarely do you see advertisements for, you know, the environment, for the oceans, for things that we depend on for survival. So that's what we've really been focused on is, you know, trying to engage communities and individuals around these issues. I know that if I come to a city and I see a beautiful mural, it always livens up the place a little bit for me and it brings joy to me. Are there any of the murals that are particularly your favorites out there? I mean, you have 400. Yeah, they're all kind of like my babies to some degree, because like with a program, each project, we try to do like a project per quarter. And each one usually takes anywhere between 12 to 18 months in the planning because there's a whole backstory behind it, you know, by creating stakeholders within the community, because with our project being nomadic, you know, we kind of come in and we come out. It's important that we leave a legacy. So in the lead up to the project, we're fundraising locally to create local ownership. We're creating partnerships with local nonprofits and, you know, research centers that are doing the work on the ground. We collaborate with, you know, different schools to get the kids involved. So there's like a multi- an approach to this. So it takes time to develop all those partnerships and all those aspects to make the project successful. So like I mentioned before, my background is in photography. So I do a lot of the documentation of our projects. So every mural, I've got it burned into my brain, you know, looking through the, the, the viewfinder and, you know, taking the photos of the work in progress, helping set up the artists in advance, you know, with the equipment and gear that they need to paint the mural. And Usually our projects take place over a short amount of time. So it's a very intensive process. The artists are out there, you know, you know, doing their installations 12 to 15 hours a day over like a seven day to two week period. And it's just, we work in really harsh conditions. As I mentioned, we've taken it to the polar bear capital of the world, absolutely freezing conditions to locations where it's just sweltering, like where, you know, it's over a hundred degrees and you're just sweating consistently. And it's a, a bit of an endurance challenge, like, you know, while we're on the ground, but 
it's tough to, to choose one. I guess if I had to kind of reflect maybe to recent murals that we created, we've recently created a partnership with a paint brand that's based out of Florida and they make one of the world's first CO2 absorbing paints. So we've been experimenting together of like how we can use this product to give a, another dimension to our murals. So now our mur murals, they have these messages about ocean conservation and these important issues, but at the same time, the murals are now going to serve as a good sink within these locations. So that's really exciting to have these multiple aspects to the murals. And the brand's called Small Grammar. Check them out. They're really, really, okay. really won incredible awards recently and doing some fantastic work. The paint is made for industrial commercial use, but also, you know, you can use it for murals. It's fascinating. And that's something that we try to do internally is consistently, you know, trying to push the needle and push ourselves to be more sustainable as an organization, you know, for our projects and so on. So that's another reason I'm so excited to be partnering with C-Trade is we can share these experiences with that community and hopefully create some light bulb moments and inspiration. Absolutely. Well, if I know anything about the cruise industry, there's a lot of people who have those light bulb moments too. And hopefully there'll be some great partnerships for you in the future. Definitely. I was going to mention if, you know, our support, what we do, please visit our websites. It's pangeasy.foundation is what the Pangeasy Foundation website is. And then seawalls.org is the other one. We're super active on social media at seawalls and at Pangeasy. Thanks for tuning in and getting to know our 2021 sustainability partner, the Pangea Seed Foundation. And thank you to Trey for joining me. Check in on Spotify or Apple Podcasts the coming weeks for more great content and make sure to register for Seatray Cruise Virtual Expedition Cruising to learn about sustainability in expedition cruises. Go to www.ctradecruiseevents.com forward slash virtual to find out more. Don't forget to visit www.pangeaseed.foundation to hear more about their amazing efforts for conservation.